but somehow it's held there in the stories and the real stories of these women and the and the sort of play that Guerrera has has made the sort of vessel uh, of storytelling and the way that it's presented these women uh, trying to survive and trying to uh, live out their amazing potential even in the midst of such resistance. everyone, welcome back to No Script, an unscripted conversation about theater's best scripts. I am Jackson Nikolai. I'm Jacob Mann Christensen. Thanks for joining us again. Welcome back to the show. Welcome back to a conversation about another great script. Today, we are, we're, we're sort of swinging. This is an interesting pairing of scripts, I think, with the script the we talked two, about yeah. last week and this week. And we sort of had a fun pairing the group before when we talked about the gin game and this is our youth, one right after the other. And now it's what the Constitution means to me is what we talked about last week. And then our play for today is a heartbreaking, uh, troubling, uh, uh, really uh, sharp, really moving script called Eclipse by Dene, uh, Eclipsed with a D, past tense, Eclipsed by Dene Guerrera. Yeah, yeah. Excited to get the chance to talk about it. It is, it is a b- bit of a swing, but interesting resonances as well um, with, with last week's uh, script. Uh, excited to get the chance to talk about this play. Excited about the chance to get to talk about Guerrera as well as, as a playwright. Um, yeah, just 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 generally excited in general. This is a, a great play, a play that won a bunch of awards that we'll get into the context. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited to get to like bring out some of the themes of it and, and get to talk about it. Yeah, it's one of those scripts that's uh, it's just hard. It's hard to read. It really is, and and I do think that our conversation about it has certain challenges and pitfalls for us being who we are, and then also just the the weight of this story and and the clear. I think it's very clear that Dene Guerrera treats this the responsibility of writing this story with total 100% commitment and seriousness, which I think, you know, I, I don't want to disparage that I don't think other playwrights have done that, but when you're dealing with this material and, and, and with, boy, with this really tough, hard thing to talk about, let alone to write a play about, let alone to do a play and be in a play about. So I, 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 I am anxious about our conversations in some way uh, sure. as, as we, as we dive into this, this sort of just, just wild and, and heartbreaking story. Um, this is a good time for us to say that uh, this is a story about Africa and about uh, Liberian women and and the struggles uh, of, of that society in the midst of ravaging civil war and the way that women are, are treated and pulled alongside in those conflicts, as you can imagine, that there's going to be some hard things talked about. So uh, on the front end, let us say that this may be an episode where you may consider skipping it if discussions of things like rape and sexual assault and uh, slavery and uh, violence are are going to be really negative for you and and for your situation, uh, you may consider skipping it. At the very least, you probably want to consider putting in headphones for this conversation, uh, especially if there's little ones around. This is going to be a challenging subject to talk about, and and so we're going to do our very best to have that same commitment of seriousness and responsibility that Danae Guerrero had, but uh, there are probably going to be some words said, some subjects talked about that you may want to have headphones in for at the very minimum on the front end. Yeah, yeah, just a good idea. To, we wanted to warn you up front about this play, um, but also uh, acknowledge our own uh, position as, as, we, as we try to do at the beginning of many of these plays where we're talking about plays that are outside of our experience, um, that are outside of our uh, experience and demographic as a couple of white guys on a, on a, on a podcast. Um, we, we, we love getting to have conversations like this. We talk about uh, theater's best scripts, and this is one of those scripts. And it's an important play for a representation, for the type of stories 
it tells and and the um the 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 way that it brings uh, a light to these women's stories. So it's an important play. We're excited to talk about it. And at the same time, it will be a, a deep conversation and sometimes a difficult conversation. So fair warning there at the, at the start. Um, and uh, then we'll, we'll, we'll just kind of jump into it going forward here. Yeah. Well, and, and we, we, I think I'd like to talk now just before we do the Patreon and then we get into context and synopsis just specifically about Danae Guerrero for uh, just a hair's minute, because I don't know if that name is going to be familiar to you or not offhand, but a quick Google of her face will be, I would guess, very familiar to probably the majority of Americans at this point. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Okay, we'll jump into just a little bit of the context at the beginning, um, and and tell you some of, something about her fame, and then we'll focus on her playwriting uh, when we when yes, we get to yes, the context yes, part. Yes. You read but, my mind over yeah. Zoom, <laughs> but but Danae Guerrera is a very well known face. Uh, she plays General Okoye in uh, the Black Panther and Avengers movies. Um, she also plays Michonne in The Walking Dead. So if you if 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 you thought you didn't know our playwright of the week, you probably do. Um, and uh, you just may not have known. <laughs> And she's a playwright, which is, exactly. I mean, she's a very accomplished playwright and, and and does really incredible things and wins very prestigious awards for doing them, if you care about that sort of thing. So she's she's a powerhouse of a playwright, but you, I don't know, because of her Marvel fame and the Walking Dead fame sort of alongside of it, now that's pretty far in the rearview mirror, but Marvel very much still in our cultural lexicon that kind of has perhaps overshadowed what she's done and is doing as a playwright which is so impressive yeah yeah a, lo- a, a long acting career in addition to her playwriting that started in stage and has gone on to to film in the silver screen so excited to get the chance to talk about her but just so you can kind of situate uh yeah. Guerrera in, in in your imagination that that is the playwright that we are talking about today well, before we hop into any more of the things that we are we're going to talk about later, which I have just spur of the moment pulled forward to the beginning <laughs> of the episode, let's just do what we're supposed to do, which is plug everybody to head on over to our Patreon, patreon.com slash podcast. Again, patreon.com slash podcast. That's all one word. Over there, you can become a supporter of the show. Uh, look, we love to do this show. It's a privilege to have, especially conversations like this, which are going to be difficult to have and 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 probably uh probably some of the more important work that we do is is as sharing scripts like this with with as many people as we can um from whatever position we manage to hold so the ability for us to do things like this is because of the folks over on Patreon who support us financially. Uh, we, we love to do it. We can't afford to do it without their help. It's just as simple as that. Running a podcast costs money. We run a weekly podcast that requires us to gain access to material that you often can only get by buying um, and have all the hosting fees and all the time commitment that goes into it. We just couldn't afford to do it if the folks over on Patreon weren't financially supporting us. So thank you. Enormous, enormous gratitude to those of you who are doing that and if you're not please consider it patreon.com slash no script podcast there are several tiers the lower of wh- lowest of which is just a dollar a month a dollar a month i believe in my heart that most people can afford a dollar a month to support the show and that you are getting a dollar a month uh return on the time that you spend with us at the very minimum so that's my plug. Hope you'll check it out. Patreon.com slash podcast. Thanks to our supporters over there. And hey, next week is our special guest episode, so get excited for that. Jacob sat down with playwright Jeffrey Sweet, who is a playwright that we've talked about on the show before, a prolific playwright, and they talked about Lemon Sky by Lanford Wilson. Uh, And great conversation, kind of a great, great chance for Jacob to get to sit down and talk to, to Jeff about Jeff's career in theater and has a lot of connections across a lot of different places. So excited to get to share that conversation next week. I'll get the week off, uh, but you'll be hanging out with Jacob and Jeffrey next week. So excited to get to share that with all of you. And now back to the script. Here we go, jumping in. So we already said a little bit about Denai Guerrera in 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 our uh, previous moment, but let's just give you a little bit of context about her career in theater. She studied uh, psychology at McAllister College in Saint Paul, Minnesota, rep in Minnesota. I love that. Um, and uh, then went on to uh, continue her education and get a Master of Fine Arts from New York University's Tisch School of Arts. Um, she began writing plays early on in her career. 
um, it's to better utilize her strengths as an actress. Um, she kind of looked, ar- looked around and, and wanted to kind of see some more uh, plays uh, that she could envision herself in, and so she wrote a couple of them. Um, uh, the, one of the early, or I believe her first play is In the Continuum, in which she starred as Abigail. Um, uh, that play... Uh, ran, I'm, I'm looking at my dates here, uh, uh, was at the Woolly Mammoth Theater in, uh, and had an off-Broadway, earned her an Obie Award, um, and it was in December of 2011. Uh, she had her acting debut in Joe Turner's Come and Gone and uh, continued writing plays, plays like Familiar and like today's play Eclipsed. Now, Eclipsed came about as a result of uh, Guerrera's uh, seeing a photo of Black Diamond, who is a female Liberian freedom fighter, and just being inspired by some of the stories, and also just drawn to some of the stories of of these women involved in the conflict in Liberia. Um, The play was developed at the Woolly Mammoth Theater Company in Washington, D.C., and uh, went on, I I believe, uh, its first premiere was in September of 2009 uh, at, at uh, at the Woolly Mammoth Theater there. Then went to the Central Theater Group um, in Los Angeles, had its West Coast premiere in 2009, September of that year. Then went and had another production at the Yale Repertory Theater before landing at the, having, having its New York premiere at the Public Theater. And that uh, uh, production uh, starred uh, another pretty well-known name, Lupita Nyong'o, as, uh, as, as a part of that cast. Um, and that production uh, went on to uh, Broadway at the Golden Theater in March of 2016. So if you kind of think about those those seven years, 2009 to uh, 2016, the, 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 the actual events of the play happened in 2003. So uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a very uh, kind of early aught-centric play um, moving into the teens of, 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 of the 2000s and has continued to, to have that sort of spotlight on it as it uh, won the Tony Award, or I'm sorry, was nominated for the Tony Award for Best Play that year. Um, so yeah, an exciting play that uh, that uh, continues to be talked about and uh, and actually won. Uh, I'm, I'm looking over my uh, looking over my notes here now. It also won the Tony Award for Best Costume Design in 2016. So very very well lauded play, uh, nominated for lots of awards, and I'm excited to get into the conversation about it. Yeah, uh, Danae Guerrero, her bio that accompanies a lot of her plays uh, lists her as a Zimbabwean-American actor and playwright, and that she really attempts to, I'll, I'll just read the quote here, her works explore the subjective African voice. So as you get sort of a sense of of some of the productions that Jackson mentioned and talked about, that's really where her interest and, and the, the sort of stories and voice that she tries to bring forward come from. And, and that is very much going to be the case as we discuss here uh, her play Eclipsed. So this play takes place in Liberia. I think we've mentioned that already. Uh, at a rebel army camp in 2003, it takes place over, it's, it's a little unclear how many months. We do know that we have one marker for time, which is that we see uh, a woman go from a position in which her pregnancy is not showing to the birth of that baby. So a span of at least, you know, several, more than several months. Um, probably not as many as nine because she was pregnant at some point before the action of the play. Uh, so, so somewhere in there during 2003, there are five characters, uh, Four of them are basically war brides of one of these um, uh, rebel uh, rebel commanders. The CO is how four of these women refer to their, you know, their their husband in some sense, but really their captor in in most other senses of the word. Um, yeah, and, and CO standing for commanding officer of yes. this this uh, kind of a uh, rebel army that is that is that is in the area. Yeah, and this relationship is, uh, as you can imagine, a very complicated one. Uh, Because on the one hand, one of the things that these women discuss is if they weren't in this situation with the CO, they would probably not be in a situation in which they, and I'm going to use the word that they use, belong to one man. Uh, They probably would be in the sort of service of the broader army camp, 
you know, as much as that sort of makes your stomach rumble in a, an upset sort of way to, to think about. Um, and so in some ways they are protected through this situation that they have with the CO being his wives, quote unquote. Uh, and, and in some ways, of course, in, in, in many other ways, it's a violent, uh, sexually abusive situation. It's many times throughout the play, the CO enters the scene off stage. He's not an onstage character. Uh, and the women sort of have to come to attention and you sort of see through the way that they react to him that he selects one of them and they walk off stage with him and some time later they come back on stage and and have to clean themselves up after uh he has you know raped them sexually abused them uh through through this process and this occurs throughout the play so the action of the play begins with a a uh, a young girl she's 15 all of these women are young they're all in their late teens early 20s or even not so much early 20s it's it's a lot of teenagers and then one of them is early 20s we'll meet a character much later on that's uh older than that but the these four women who are um bound to this co are all basically teenagers one of them may be a little older than that but an especially young woman in this group uh who's just referred to as the girl in this group in this script uh she's only 15 years old and when the action of the play begins, she is hiding under a tub as two of the other women, Helena and Bessie are how they're referred to in the script. They refer to each other until some notable but notable events later on help them to claim their real names. Uh, they refer to each other as the number of wives that they are. So Helena is number one. Bessie is number three. We'll learn about number two later on. Um, so Helena and Bessie are, they're working on Bessie's hair, basically sitting on this tub. And then almost right away, they say, oh, this that wasn't the person we're scared of. And they release from under the tub the girl the 15-year-old who is hiding. The, she has not been yet found out by the CO or his colleagues. Uh, colleagues I use sort of sarcastically, of course. but um, And so they're hiding her for now. Throughout the scene, um, Bessie and Helena are both called individually to go, you know, service their uh, their captor. And um, Bessie, I'm sorry, the girl continually has to hide under the tub anytime people come. Um, how the play basically develops from there is that we see this group of women negotiate uh, their position in this camp, their position with the CO, the violence that is occurring alongside them. The girl, unfortunately, is eventually found out, uh, actually in the very next scene, and she becomes wife number four at only 15 years old um, and quickly becomes the favorite, you know, the one that is most often selected to go and to... Uh, be sexually assaulted by the CO. Um, so uh, we also meet Mema later on. Uh, Mema is wife, the mysterious wife number two, who uh, has has not been present on stage for about the first third of the play or so. It's discovered that she has basically run away from this situation and become a soldier fighting in this the Liberian Civil War that was going on at the time. Um, and so she comes on with the gun and she is uh, interested in the long run in sort of luring the girl away from being one of these captive wives and into being a soldier herself. About halfway through the play, we meet Rita, who she is part of basically a, a group of people who are trying to end the civil war by going to the individual individual warlords and trying to talk them into letting it go before more people are killed and more violence is done. She has various interactions with all of these women uh, throughout the show. Uh, her first major one being with Helena, who is the oldest of the wives. She's the first wife. Um, and she is the one, Rita is the one who demands that Helena use her name rather than refer to herself as wife number one. She's just beginning to teach her how to read and write. Uh, at the act break, the girl does decide, in fact, to run away with Mema and become a soldier rather than stay and be sexually assaulted day after day by the CO. Other things of note is that Bessie, at the beginning of the play, we learn she is pregnant um, and she is... Uh, 
as you can well imagine, not happy about that, not interested in having the child, um, sort of forced into being the, into the situation that she doesn't want to be in. Um, when we come back from the act, we spend some time with Mema and the girl who are fighting on the front lines. The girl learns what the other women tried to warn her about, which is that Mema is basically able to stay free by capturing other women to hand off to the warlords and soldiers for the army that she is currently fighting for. Uh, this causes the girl a lot of consternation. However, she sort of in the moment adopts Mema's attitude about it. Rita visits Mema out in the, uh, the, in the, in the, in the midst of the fighting as she continues her rounds in this mission to, she says, visit all the warlords. Uh, what we also learn about Rita is that she is looking for someone. Her daughter, before she was, uh, before Rita was sort of drug into this conflict, was taken from her by one of these bands. Um, and so she has started to ask questions about where she might be and to sort of look for it. And, and it is my sense that that maybe is what she is yeah, really doing. I don't know. Uh, but she has that sort of sub thing going for her as she goes all around as she's looking for her daughter. She knows that there is a new girl. This is the girl that we've all become acquainted with, uh, around the camps and now with Mema over fighting as a soldier and nobody knows her name and she's about the right age. And so she's sort of actively pursuing, trying to find her specifically. Um, in and amidst all of this, the girl, while she was with Helena and Bessie has been reading them a book on Bill Clinton. Um, uh, like sort of, uh, the story of the Monica Lewinsky scandal is basically my understanding, uh, that they got from the, the warlord that they're all captured to, uh, has given them a bunch of gifts, uh, throughout the play. One of them being this book, the girl was reading it to them. Then she leaves to join Mema. Uh, and eventually, uh, the Rita is, is the one who reads it to Helena and Bessie back at the camp. Um, and it all sort of winds up where the girl, um, she she goes through something where she feels really guilty about um, a particular other young woman who she did not protect in the way that she wanted to and who was sexually violated very violently in front of her. And this causes her to come back to the camp with Helena and Bessie and leave Mama behind. Almost right away, we learn that the conflict is actually over. The war has, has sort of come to a conclusion and that their warlord has basically said, go home, I'm going home, it's all over now, you're no longer war brides. Uh, this has left them sort of aghast at what to do. Most of their families have either been killed or gone missing. What is going to happen now? Rita offers them a way out. She has, uh, as part of the group that she works for, a vehicle nearby, and she says, I'm going to get you out of here. Um, she also learns in sort of what I think of as a twist, because you sort of see it set up that Rita is going to meet the girl and it's going to be her daughter, and then there's this twist that it's not. Uh, and, and the girl, this, that we've been following the whole play is not Rita's daughter. Um, and so, but, but she does, uh, so Rita and Helena take off in this vehicle. Bessie decides to stay and, uh, because she's pregnant by the warlord CO character, she's going to stay with him at least for whatever that means for her. Uh, the play ends with the girl on stage, Mema, the soldier character has come and said, you should come back to the fighting with me. Helena and Rita are headed to the vehicle towards whatever that future looks like for them. Bessie has decided to stay with her baby. Oh, by the way, I didn't mention she had the baby. Uh, right. She decides to stay with the baby. Uh, so there's three different directions that the girl could go. And the play ends with her undecided on stage. It's the classic non-ending. Uh, she literally <laughs> doesn't decide, and that—that's how the play ends. I think I caught it all. This is this is a, a play that just is like furrowed with lots of plots and subplots and things going on. Yeah, very intricate plot. Lots of little things, uh, all sort of flowing along stream together that all come together at very poignant moments that kind of land home these, 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 uh, really, really, uh, sometimes beautiful, sometimes difficult, sometimes, uh, illuminative moments of, of storytelling in theater. Um, perhaps a way to kind of jump into it. I, I, I jotted down a quote from Guerrera about, uh, uh, about uh, the women in this play, especially the women in this play. Um, all are women of amazing potential, but they're eclipsed or blocked by the war. 
and and we see that uh, illuminated throughout the play the the the, the device of the the Clinton book <laughs> this sort of biography of Clinton who at, at that point it was no longer president and them kind of reading it right. together remember that the play is set in 2003 so this is yeah. like very quickly in the aftermath of all of that happening Bush is president now or then as mm-hmm. they learn in throughout the play oh this guy is no longer the president it's now this dude named Bush and they make some they make some fun of him for his name right right and 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 the 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 device of of just being able to read brings quite a bit of i mean there there are there are frequent scenes in this play i mean it, jacob admirably uh d- told the story of the play which sounds pretty heavy and yet there are frequent moments in the play where these women banding together and finding a way for them to survive in this situation brings about these moments of comedy, brings about these moments of levity between them. And and the scenes around the reading lead to scenes around wondering about names and 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 remembering names. Especially Rita brings in that sort of uh that that uh necessity of remembering what was the name your mother gave you. That's 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 a, a phrase that is said often throughout this and trying to get these women to remember what has been eclipsed by this war and by this conflict. No, I think you're absolutely right to point out, especially the way that the the need for well, I guess there's always a need for, but the 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 how do I want to put this? It's like the the heightened danger of not surviving, right? Like mm, yeah. in 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 day to day life for a large group of people in America, not everybody, of course, but for a lot of us, the day to day risk of not surviving seems very far away. Um, we know that crazy stuff happens, right? But I, I don't feel presented with my death on a daily basis or the uh, violent attack against me or sexual assault against me. And in some ways, this play is about this group of women in survival mode, forced to um, push, uh, to, to sort of latch on to something that can get them through alive and that can get them through, it's not going to be whole, but can get them through in the, in the very best way that they can. And what I think uh, Denai has done so well is written each of these women with a sort of a different thing that they latch a different part of their world that they have so latched onto in order to survive. I think of the way Helena really leans into the order of the camp, the way that she can create order, not only in there being a sort of hierarchy, but also in the day-to-day administration of cooking and gathering firewood and handing out gifts. She really leans into the organization that she can create in and amidst the chaos. I don't think that's a leap to say. Of course, uh, Mema has leaned into the sort of every person for themselves. If I'm violent, I can avoid future violence done to me and has grasped that as her sort of way out of the darkness. And and Denied Rear doesn't pull any punches to any of these women. As much as it's an empathetic portrait, she, I do think that there's a recognition that none of these solutions ultimately work. Um, and that's not a criticism of the women. It's a criticism of the situation. Well, and, 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 and perhaps, perhaps, I, I don't know about none of them work, but all of them have consequences, large yes, consequences right. mm-hmm. for, and, and things that, things that, uh, that they, that necessitate or be, be because of the, the choices made, there are, 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 are large consequences, certainly for, uh, Mema who has this, this sort of, uh, violent relationship around her. We see a, a quite a bit of, a, of you into her world, um, of, of the sort of, uh, dehumanizing that she has to do towards other people in order to, to do what she has to do to survive. We see that through the lens of her trying to get the girl to join a similar lifestyle. There's there's a, a good chunk of the play, maybe 20 pages or so of the play, where the girl has has gone off with uh, Mema to... Um, 
to try this this more militant m- mode of survival and the the view that we get into her life is 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 a a, a, a shaking one uh, we we see uh, the way that she has to fully dehumanize the other humans that they are in combat with in order to think through the sort of violence that they're perpetrating we also see the uh the, the ways that 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 she has to try to um uh almost brainwashed, but not quite, but just like get into the child, this other way of thinking of how to be a, sh- a soldier. So you see these, these modes, these, these different ways of survival, and you see the consequences for each of them and the long, and, and, and we see that in Helena, maybe a little bit in the, the uh, stranger coming to town of Rita, Rita shows up and Helena, who has created these systems, who has created these, uh, these ways to provide safety for people, including the the girl, including Bessie, and and the 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 ways that she is able to protect herself in this place, but we see it in the relief of Rita coming and saying, "Well, what else would you want to be if you could? What if we could bring an end to this war? What else could you be? Um, and and is this is you staying in this system going to in, in allow you?" to become what you want to be, especially as the option emerges towards the end of the play of an end to the war and a way out. Right. And, and I think it referring back to that quote from, from her about this play that this is, this is to play to some degree about the way in which the potential of all of these women have been eclipsed by the shadow of violence and sexual assault and chaos that surrounds them all the time and and so their their ability to grasp at like a sense of of personhood and freedom around and outside of their situation is being blocked and so in some ways the the very thing which they grasp for is what is blocking them it, it is helena who later in the play asks who am i outside of this war the very thing that she latches onto is what is going to carry her through the organization, the hierarchy, the day-to-day doing that makes the war camp run has also blocked her from accessing a, a sense of herself outside of the war. When Mema at the end of the play is confronted with what should be the end of the conflict, she can't leave it behind. She wants to go back and continue fighting, kill every last one of the rebel folks who are somewhere out there there despite the fact that this conflict has come to whatever it means to have all like a political end to the situation um and and i wonder some if that is what the picture of the girl left undecided on stage how, what is the path out for her if that's some of what it's about like it just seems like each of these women ends up ends up captured by the thing that has carried them through the conflict to this point at the end where it is finally over and they're somewhat captured by it. Now, I think that Helena finds a way out with the assistance of Rita. Um, and, and, and so I wonder about whether that's what we're, that's what we're supposed to imbibe as that moment comes along. Uh, what is the girl captured by? Yeah, yeah, and 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 yeah, the question, the 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 deep question at the end of of which way she's she's kind of had to experience all three of these different modes you have the the modes of or, or ways of survival she's experienced what it's like to be with helena inside of the system that she's created inside of the safety that she's managed to construct and she's seen that fall apart she's been a part of mama's world and the sort of safety that she's constructed um with this sort of violent way of in, of engaging the world around her so that violence can't be done to her and she's seen the consequences of that worldview worked out all the way she's been around bessie too who kind of constructs this um, uh, appeal around her and also this uh, belonging to the CEO by way of having uh, a child with him and and the, the kind of wondering whether or not she can continue in some way uh, in, in that relationship. And she's seen how that limits Bessie as well. So you, you have all of these, these, these three options presented to the girl and she has to decide, um, weighing both uh, the ways that she's seen it work and the ways that she's seen it fail um and and have consequences as a result of it she has to like weigh which way to go and w- i mean <laughs> it's it's a it's a it's a, a liminal painful ending to to not know 
<laughs> um, uh, especially because we see uh, Helena leaving with Rita and Rita being this like catalyst for change, you know, like just a really well-written character in a lot of ways because uh, she is this stranger coming to town. This, this, this play is written for the most part completely in dialect. Um, and, and Rita is a notably, uh, different dialect. Um, she, she sometimes speaks in dialect, but sometimes does, does not and is written that way. So she is this sort of outside presence um, there who represents this broader world outside of the conflict, the hope of a broader world outside of the conflict, and that she kind of continues to engage each of the different characters and offer them that hope. And, and only Helena is the one to take her up on it. Yeah, and 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 I think that the they're set up early in the play. I'm going to read you a line from the play. Uh, I'm just going to read it as it's written, and I'm going to make no attempt to uh, put on a voice or anything, of course. But especially in regards to the script, I want you to know that. Um, so this is a line from the girl. She she and the other women are discussing like how in the world, amidst all of this chaos, they know how old they are. Um, it, it, and it, this is again, very early in the play. And I think it sets up in terms of a technical writing way, the, the painful reality that is the end of the play for this character so early on. So the girl says, I just think we should know who we are, what year we got, where we come from this war, not forever. So it right this war isn't forever. She predicts or really the playwright sets up from the beginning of the play that the the conflict comes to an end. Wars end. Now, new wars start up, thus is the pain of human history, but this conflict does have an end at some point. And when that happens, there's a connection made by the girl early on, right? You have to know who you are and where you come from for when the war ends. And it is that, that, that literally plays itself out at the end. And I think it adds that layer of, of understanding how this story, like, like I, I said in the synopsis that the end of the play is like a non-ending, right? Because we don't know what she's going to choose. But if we're tracking the journey of like, can this girl, the new woman in this situation from the beginning of the play, hold on to her sense of who she is and where she comes from amidst all this chaos, like she predicts, for when the war is over, unfortunately, the end of the play, the answer is no. And that that is an ending in that sense, right? It's a painful, heartbreaking one. And I don't know that I'm. this is me interpreting rather than reading something directly from the text. But if we're tracking that journey, I think that her indecision at the end of the play is a way to mark the end of the journey of can she hold on to those things that she said were important to hold on to at the beginning with all of this violence being done to her? And mm, I mm-hmm. think Dene Guerrero potentially writes a story for her where the answer is no. Well, well, interesting. That 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 that's an, an, an interesting. I, I agree that there's a tension there, but there's also the 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 weight of the props, and we like to talk quite a bit about the weight of props in plays. And the props that she's holding at the end of the play are the gun that she was given by Mema and the book that she was given by Helena. Um, so you you have these two worlds still in her hands. Um, and, and, and yes, there's tension at the end and certainly she has lost some of the idealism that she, that she maybe tried to hold on to earlier on. And as, and as a result of her experiences has had to, uh, lose track of sometimes she has a scene where she says to Mema, I can't remember my mom's face. Um, I, I, like she's, she's lost a significant portion of herself as a result of, of the choices that she's, she's made in order to survive. But you still have her at the last moment holding these two props that have been around the play from the, from very early of the book appearing very early. And you have an AK 47 appearing on Mema very early as well. And I, I think I would potentially insert a third prop into that. Now, I, this is prop in the most loose <laughs> p- p- possible I I know where you're going. sense of yeah. it, right? <laughs> I don't really mean prop, but just in the way we're discussing it. Because it, the end of the play is not just the girl alone on stage with a book in one hand and a gun in the other. And I think the book sort of symbolically represents where Rita and Helena are going because Rita has sort of all along been working on Helena to try to get her out of this situation by talking about going back to school and all of that stuff. So I think the book symbolically represents 
represents them, right? The gun symbolically represents Mema. I don't think we're that's wild interpretation there. But there that's not the only picture. Also on stage is Bessie holding her newborn child and making sort of cooing beautiful sounds at her, uh, very, you know, sort of playing with her, right? Like you do with a, with a very, very young infant. Um, and so I wonder if that's the third part of the picture. Mm-hmm. And I wonder yeah. if, like, you know, in a different version of the end of the play, you could have had, like, one of the baby's shoes or something. It obviously wouldn't have been as powerful. But, I, I mean, you can't have the girl left alone with the baby. It's not her baby. Right, right, <laughs> and, yeah. And <laughs> Bessie wouldn't have left her. So I think that may be why Bessie remains on stage, really as a as a conduit in the image for this, this third thing that manifests yep. itself so powerfully alongside the book and the gun. Yeah, that's that's really good. Those are the three three different choices that she has manifested physically in the scene, um, and and yeah, that 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 sort of tension and and wondering um, uh, is what the like retinal image we get. The fading out of the lights happens right there. Um, uh, so it is this 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 uh, this big question that we're left with, even as we like carry the hope. That you know, not the hope, but also the the relief of of Helena getting out. I think we follow the girl as uh, probably the character that we follow the most uh, has the most stage time, at least consistent stage time is the girl. However, Helena also has a, a, a significant chunk of stage time. Helena is the one that uh, manages to listen to Rita's message and get out um, uh, that we know gets out. Uh, we uh, uh, so so you so I think there's also that that hope as well that we that we carry even as we carry the the kind of um just messy feelings about about how Mema has decided that she needs to still survive um and and how Bessie has decided that she still needs to survive um so yeah it's 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 a it's a it's a it's an ending that is that is full of questions and full of conversation for afterwards well, and it's it's like much of the rest of the play. It's it's hard it's hard to watch. I mean, in, in the sense of this being uh, just such a painful situation. And I, I think you were right earlier to point out that though the the situation, the actual plot itself, as I described the story, is heartbreaking and full of violence, it the, the play itself has a, a quite a bit of levity in it as well. Uh, you point out that there, there are tensions, there are conflicts between these women, but there are also jokes made, and there are also connections reached out for, and... Um, and that is part of the experience too, uh, of of sort of finding the little moments. It's hard to call anything in this sort of situation joyful, but of uh, uh, you know of, of of a way out of just the the darkness and gloom. Yeah, the the the. the... This play defies some of what we try to do on this podcast, which is to kind of dig into scenes, dig into themes, dig into characters. There are things about this play that only work because of the voices and the 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 the, the actions of the people who are telling the story. This this uh, this play uh, was written. Another quote that I jotted down was: uh, "This play was written to give life to African women in war, to tell their stories, show how we're connected rather than different." Um, and and uh, that. Can can only be done, only be done on stage, only be done through storytelling by the people who who can tell the story. Um, so, so you the the the, the if, if if your if your dissonance meter is on and you hear us talking about the levity in this play after we've talked about the themes of this play, you're you're good job, good dissonance meter. But somehow it's held there in the stories and the real stories of these women and the and the sort of play that Guerrera has has made the sort of vessel uh, of storytelling and the way that it's presented these women uh, trying to survive and trying to uh, live out their amazing potential, even in the midst of such resistance. And and in that way, I think perhaps that uh, I, I particularly of the two of us in this conversation have sort of fallen into one of the traps. You've done a much better job than me uh, of 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 discussing all this play in terms of the heartbreak and violence that's done, and in part it just makes me so sad. Right. <laughs> and I, yeah. and, you know, but but I do think that what you just described is is the lens by which we are um 
were invited to access the play, not to uh, uh, let ourselves view this in in the. But let me say it this way: not to let ourselves view this play as an exploration of victimhood, which is probably how I've been describing it for forty five minutes now, and that's to my <laughs> discredit. Uh, but rather as a uh, an uh, I don't know if it's admiration quite, but as a, a way to give life. I'll just use the words that you used in the, from the quote, right? A way to give life to what these women have to go through. Oh, uh, it, it is maybe an admiration for all of the ways in which they hold on to these characters do. Then they do hold on to the, se- the sense of themselves. They do survive the methods by which they subvert the things that go on around them. Uh, the the levity and the moments of comedy are the moments of often them mocking the people who are doing violence to them, uh, mocking uh, the the countries like America, the 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 president who are going through the, you know, a wild affairs in the news. Um, and so I, I wonder if that isn't the, the lens by which we're invited to encounter the stories of these women. I think another good word for that and what I hear in that is witness. We're called to witness the lives of these women. And 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 that's the, the kind of important uh, step that this play gets us to do. These these are the real stories. These are the stories that are happening, and we don't spend enough time witnessing them um, and seeing them. So what this play does so so masterfully is present a way to witness them, to hear the stories, to give life to these women who have lived these these moments, and and present them in in a way that. Uh, that that brings the story to more people that that and and in a way and in a way that only theater can this play uh would work as a film but the 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 theatricalness of this play is also such a the the, the fact that the co never appears on stage um the 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 way that we've talked about scripts or i'm sorry props and the way that the, they can carry such weight in the play um the way that action a lot of the action especially the violent action of this play happens off stage um and is just reported on these are unique things to theater that allow this topic to be the this topic and these people to be witnessed well and and the way that Guerrera uh, weaves these things in is 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 just uh, like reading it is 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 uh, <laughs> I'm like stammering what is masterful um is 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 stunning to watch and and to have a chance to be welcomed into that story I, I love what you just said there right at the end I mean I loved it all but especially that thing at the end about the way that this play deals in um, a lot of the physical action happening off stage. Uh, I think that's a very astute observation about the difference between film and theater. Um, and, and that's why this play is a play, although I, I wouldn't be shocked if there were a movie adaption, but I, it's not going to be quite the same thing where, uh, you know, thank goodness, the sexual assaults happen off stage. The, uh, the situation that uh, the girl describes, which sort of causes her major reversal moment moment at the end of the the play is something that she describes from from a later point of view rather than us experiencing it with her in the present tense and in that way i wonder if that's part of denegrira uh, subverting this sort of uh uh victim porn that that so often these stories are made into in the news and where and again where I feel like I was probably guilty of for a lot of this conversation that that this is about the relationships established and the methods by which these women go about surviving this eclipse of their lives rather than it is about the hor- I mean it is horrifying things that are done to them and it, those things are described in great detail by the women but they're described in context of describing them to each other I finally found my way around to a point that <laughs> what's so great about the fact that the action happens off stage is that we see the action described in context of another woman, right? In context of telling each other the stories live. That's what's live and in the present moment. And that's what becomes so powerful is you watch these women Oh, it's I say own your their story, and that has like a sense of like female empowerment. Own your story, and I, and I don't know that that's quite what I mean by that in this sense. But have to have to deal with their stories 
in context of telling other people about it rather than just experiencing it in the moment. Yeah, and and that that method and and plenty of other moments in the play do actively resist stereotypes, like like you were saying. The, the, there's so much about this play that that says whatever you were you you know whatever you assumptions you have made show up to this story, show up to it differently than your stereotypes and assumptions have have kind of maybe prepared you for it, and and witness and witness what is happening, um, and witness these these women's stories as they survive. There's a lot more to talk about with this play. Of course, there always is. And um, with this play especially, you know, maybe it's sort of saying on the back end, this is just Jackson and I, uh, we believe it's important to have conversations about plays like this, even though they are uh, so much outside of our lived experience. And um, to, to our audience to bring this play to them and also for asserting the value of talking about things that are difficult to talk about and that are not just what I go through in my life. Um, and so it's a privilege to get to have conversations like this, even though they're hard and we make mistakes. And hey, even more so than than any other time or many some of the other times at least, go out and buy this play. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's on it's on Kindle by the way, which plays. I, I am usually an advocate against ebook plays. I love ebooks, <laughs> but plays are just basically formatted like garbage on ebook. They're impossible <laughs> to read. Kindle folks, like, do a better job with play. I, this does not feel that hard. It's terrible. They're almost universally awful. But this one, hey, did pretty well. Whoever put nice. this ebook together, like, didn't make the 10,000 mistakes that you find in every <laughs> ebook play ever. So, yeah. congrats. It's uh, awesome. You can get it on ebook. You could, you could literally be looking at it 10 minutes from now. Yeah, yeah. I get it on ebook. You get get the play script. Read it. Bring it to places and have conversations about it because it's a great play. And it, and and we'd love to keep having the conversation with you all out there on the interwebs. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at the username at NoScript Podcast. We also have a Gmail, NoScript Podcast at gmail.com. Hit us up on any of those sites if you've read the play, if you're going to read the play, if you've had the chance to see this play. Um, we'd love to keep talking about Eclipsed with you. And if you've liked this episode or any of our other conversations, please pass us on to your family, friends, anybody you know that likes scripts, literature, stories, or even just conversations about how those things work and how themes and characters develop. This It's a freewheeling, fun conversation. We think you should pass this on to folks that in your life you know that may like those sorts of things. You can send them to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, or Podbean. Also, you could just like us on Facebook, and then every Monday when the new episode is posted, there will be a link right there for you. And next week, that link will lead you to our special guest episode with Jeffrey Sweet. Jackson plugged that at the beginning. I hope you are here for it. It was a great conversation with Jeffrey Sweet, and I can't wait for you to hear it. Hope to see you then. Until next time, I'm Jacob Mann Christensen. And I am Jackson Nikolai. Thanks for listening to No Script, the podcast. <laughs>